0: on this edition of the Iowa Business Report.
1: And democracies are muscular, they're
0: innovative. Cyber attacks have been a concern, but it's even more so with the war in Ukraine. How competitive is Iowa? New data tells the story. And in our business profile, we'll introduce you to a unique business focusing on custom firearm needs. This is the Iowa Business Report. For the third weekend of March 2022. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. Late last year, we introduced you to Doug Kelly, CEO of the American Edge Project. They say a strong national defense these days begins with strong American-developed technology. We connect it again now because the threat from cyber attacks by Russia and China has increased since the war
1: in Ukraine began last month. So even before Russia invaded Ukraine, cyber protections was called the issue of the decade, right? Every year China steals about $500 billion of our technology, And with Russia invading Ukraine, they started off with cyber attacks. There's warnings by Google now that there could be additional cyber attacks. And it's America's technology companies who have really stepped to the front of the line here to say, we're going to help defend against these cyber attacks by investing literally billions of dollars in not only new technologies to prevent these cyber attacks from hostile powers, but also to train additional cybersecurity experts who can go all the different companies across the country to help protect their systems against hostile intent.
0: It's frightening when we think of it, because we are now so reliant on these bits of technology. And I have heard anecdotally people say, well, I'm worried about bank accounts, for example, right? What if there is an attack? I better go print off my statements or I better download uh, something to my computer That's all we can think of to do, but that is going to be precious little help if, in fact, there is some massive hack of the U.S. financial system, for example.
1: You're exactly right. I mean, having a paper copy is always good, but the most important thing is to make sure that our frontline defenses through our technology companies and our overall innovation is as strong as it can possibly be. You know, at the end of the day, there's a battle going on between democracies and authoritarian governments, right? And you see China and Russia lining up, supporting each other. Russia's invading the democracy. They have a whole bunch of propaganda going on where they're shutting out U.S. tech companies after U.S. tech companies have tried to stop the propaganda there. China is echoing Russia's message. And this is the reality of where we're at right now. And American technology companies Are on that battlefield fighting for democracy and helping advance and protect our democratic values against authoritarian intent. And so we're really grateful that they're doing this, but also there's a concern that I have because there's a series of folks in Congress who are saying, hey, you know what? We need to really knock the stuffing out of our technology companies through a lot of antitrust regulation. And that's just the wrong way to approach when we're looking at a global battle between democracies and autocracies to take a really strategic weapon that we have in our technology companies and our innovation and really put it in handcuffs while at the same time not applying the same rules to foreign hostile powers in their tech companies.
0: It's one of these things where I suppose people in government think, well, we have to do something. But they seem to forget the fact that this is also interrelated. To your point, if you hamstring folks at home, you're basically opening the door for 'er ne'er-do-wells to come in and wreak havoc on the whole system.
1: You're 100% right on that. So let me just give you a couple examples. So sure. there's six technologies that are going to rule the future, and we are in a battle with China for them, right? So it's artificial intelligence, it's 5G, it's quantum computing. Just those first three that I mentioned, whoever gets to those first Basically, they can unencrypt any secret communication, any military code. They can extend incredibly large processing power across their entire country, and they can use it for very nefarious things. Our biggest technology companies of Google, Amazon, Meta. They're all investing tens of billions of dollars in those technologies in a race against their Chinese counterparts. And so the idea that some in Congress would say, you know what, these companies are too big on the American side, we got to break them up. There's nobody else that's going to make up that money in terms of investment. There's nobody else that's going to be at the tip of the spear in building these technologies of the future that not only will help us take the lead in years to come, but also will protect our country right now from cyber attacks. There's nobody that's going to step in there. And so, I'm concerned that that short-sightedness is really going to hurt our country both in the short term and the long run from both a national security perspective, but also from an economic perspective as well. And again, the concept that
0: we go into certain negotiation situations with non-domestic entities and we see them violate provisions time after time. And then we say, well, I bet they'll keep their word this time. That seems to be a little naive. I mean, it's hopeful and hope springs eternal, but it seems a little naive. What should specifically, if people listening to this program, contact their lawmaker? What specifically, from your perspective at the American Edge Project, what should be done to help support this digital
1: landscape that we all rely upon? That's a great question. So when China and Russia think about what they're going to do, They make the calculation of, we believe that democracies in the West are on the decline for these reasons. And when they see that there's a decline or a weakness, that's when they move, they'll jump right in. So for example, China could, if it views the West as weak, it could move quickly on Taiwan, which makes 80% of semiconductors in the globe, right? You want to talk about a supply chain problem, there would be an enormous supply chain problem. So the first thing that American elected leaders can do is say, we're going to do everything we can to strengthen our technology sector and not damage it. Secondly, what we're going to do is we're going to make sure that we ensure really critical technologies and have them built right here in America, whether it's in a new Intel plant that's going to make semiconductor chips right near where I am in Columbus, Ohio, or whether moving additional technology manufacturing capacity to Iowa. Those lawmakers need to say, hey, let's put together a package of incentives and other things that invest in American technology built by Americans right here in this country and not have our supply chains outsourced across seas." Doing those two things alone, protecting our edge and then incentivizing and creating and investing in additional technological strength here Those two things alone are going to send a message to Russia and China and any other government that wants to mess around democracies that, hey, it's a different day. And democracies are muscular, they're innovative, they're combining forces together, and we really got to think twice about any of our global ambitions.
0: Doug Kelly of the American Edge Project, online at AmericanEdgeProject.org. We connected via Zoom on Wednesday, March 16. Still to come, Iowa's competitive rankings, and a business providing a unique service for firearms enthusiasts. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report.
2: Are you experiencing farm FOMO? It's the fear of missing out on opportunities to make every soybean acre you farm more profitable. Luckily, FOMO is easy to overcome. Just tap into your Iowa Soybean Association benefits courtesy of the Soybean Checkoff. Be among the first to receive agronomic research results, timely soy news, producer education invites, and so much more. Connect today at IASoybeans.com.
0: Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Waste Reduction Center, hosts of a one-day Energy Trends Workshop at the Embassy Suites in Des Moines this Thursday, March 24th, including keynote sessions, a panel of Iowa energy experts, networking, and more. For information, go to IWRC.org. Each year, the Iowa Business Council compiles data about a variety of areas tied to economic growth and vitality and compares Iowa with other states. It's called Iowa's Competitive Dashboard, and the current version was released earlier this month. Joe Murphy, Executive Director of the Iowa Business Council, shared some of the findings with me.
2: The top line is Iowa remains competitive, but we're going to need to be very thoughtful on how we remain competitive moving forward. We've been very clear with our intents over the last few years on trying to make ourselves more competitive on a wide variety of areas. But again, the constant barrage of workforce development continues to impact us in a negative way. And what I mean by that is we continue to grow at a much lower rate than the rest of the country. That will impede our ability to remain competitive across basically all of these categories moving forward. We've taken some steps in really great directions over the last couple of weeks, tax reform being one of them, as you mentioned. So that will help certainly. But I think if there's one thing to impact all of this moving forward, it's really that workforce issue.
0: And that's a constant issue, and it is true across the country, and everybody's trying to find the way to attract workers. So even if, I would suggest, things were pretty good here, you'd still have to be doing things to make sure that your workers weren't being poached by a neighboring state or folks halfway across the country.
2: Yeah, you know, the world has become a very small place even before the pandemic, but it's obviously gotten a lot smaller since the pandemic has taken hold of our economy. And what I mean by that is you can do a Zoom from anywhere in the world and still work in Iowa or somewhere else, right? And so the level at which we compete for talent has really become localized. And so we have to do many more things than just the standard business type items that we talk about often, which is why we're really focused in on areas like child care and housing and quality of life of initiatives and making our state welcoming and inclusive for all people so that people feel like they're part of the community and want to be here and spend time here.
0: Let's now look at some categories and we'll start with economic growth. I suppose if you just simply held serve COVID year 2020 compared with the first recovery year of 2021, that's pretty good since some folks in the rest of the country really took a hit. How did we do overall on economic growth, would you say?
2: We've done really well with economic growth. You know, I think this really speaks to our resiliency as an economy, as a state. You know, if you look into our data, our gross state product stayed about the same at more than $194 billion, which is a very big number for a state that has about 3 million people. That's a really important thing to keep in mind. The other thing that I really like to point out in this is the fact that our manufacturing value as a percentage of that gross state product remains in the top 10 nationally. And so we're fourth in the country right now for manufacturing of a value. And I think that's really important because again, it speaks to the resiliency of our economy. It speaks to how diversified we are as an economy in Iowa. A lot of people, myself included, before I started reading this report three years ago, assumed that agriculture would be the number one industry in Iowa, but it's manufacturing. And so the fact that we've got Manufacturing and agriculture and financial services and booming healthcare industries as well. We've got really great core areas here, insurance, another one. We've got really great core areas here in Iowa that spread out that potential trepidation in the economy and allows us to recover at a much more advanced clip than a lot of other states. We saw that in the Great Recession in 2008, 2009, and we're seeing that again today. But again, when you look at our data, which is census data, relating to demographics and diversity. We're not growing nearly as much as the rest of the country. Our net migration is not nearly as what we would hope that it would be. In other words, we're not bringing in as many people as we had hoped to at one point in our time. And so that's really gonna have an impact on us, growing our companies, growing our business opportunities throughout the state. Again, a company needs people to work, to expand, to create things, to innovate things, and to create other opportunities for other people, right? And so if we don't have the labor force here in the state to provide those opportunities or at least have a chance to compete on that potential, businesses will look elsewhere, right? And so from our perspective, this is something that we're going to continue to put a lot of effort in trying to make Iowa as welcoming and inclusive as possible, work with our federal delegation on immigration reform, really have an open line of communication on trying to bring in as many new Iowans as possible, whether they're coming in from other countries or other states. We've got a lot of great things going for us here in Iowa. Let's be bold about talking about that. Let's go outside of our borders, outside of the Midwest, to try to bring in new people.
0: Overall, quite optimistic, though.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you have to be clear-eyed about this. There are definitely some optimistic points here, right? You know, our competitiveness and our economic growth. Our tax policy of late has been very good, but we do have to understand that there are some serious things that we have to address as a state. And the good thing about that is that, you know, these are not partisan issues. We know that we have a population situation in our state. We know that Republicans and Democrats talk about that. And so how can we work together to solve these issues? You know, Iowa traditionally have always come together on big pieces of legislation, big policy ideas, other opportunities to work together to lift our state up, right? That's in our nature. And so this is another one of those opportunities for us to work together and identify a problem and come up with a solution.
0: You can read the full Iowa's Competitive Dashboard Report by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. IBC Executive Director Joe Murphy and I connected via Zoom on Wednesday, March 16. Coming up a business whose product is protected by the U.S. Constitution. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. A politician wearing a bow tie walks into a bar and orders a pint of Guinness. Where is he? Why, in Waterloo, of course. The clip-on bow tie was invented in Waterloo, Iowa in 1918 at the same location where Jameson's Public House is today, in the city where the bow tie sporting Quentin Hart proudly serves as mayor, which begs the question, why not Waterloo? I'm Mayor Quentin Hart, inviting you to Waterloo. Come for a visit. Stay for the great quality of life. Look us up at cityofwaterlooiowa.com. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. In this week's Business Profile segment, you'll meet Michael Ware of Controlled Chaos Arms, a gunsmithing, manufacture, finishing, and training operation in Baxter.
3: We incorporated in 2008. We're a custom weapon shop, so I some people don't understand the term, so I, I don't use it a lot. But really, it it, does, it is apropos. We're a boutique shop, so if you bring things in or you walk in or have an appointment, rather, uh, you're not going to see guns under glass. That's the that's Cabela's, Shields, Bass Pro, uh, some of your local stores. I mean. You're going to find that with Ernie at CVO, you know that kind of thing, and and those guys do a great job at that. But we do custom work, so gunsmithing, uh, custom manufacturer, refurbishing old firearms, all kinds of things like that. So it's a fun line of work, and it's a and it's an interesting medium. We're really good at it. We've done some really really off the wall things over the years, and and it's enjoyable. I like it. Plus, I got to tell you, Jeff, my commute's about 25 feet from my house over to my shop, uh, and that allows me a copious amount of time to spend with my kids, which I That was the way I was raised by my folks, so it's a good line of work to be in if, if those things are of value to you.
0: That is a perfect commute to work and a perfect reason for having it set up like that. You said something that just leads me to have to ask. You said you've done some really unique things. Give us some examples of some of the things that are even more unique than we might have thought of when we heard you give the description of what you folks do there.
3: Well, I tell you, one of the most interesting things that we were a part of is John Deere was commissioned way back in the early parts of World War I to put together some tanks. And so <laughs> instead of build tanks, they took John Deere Model Bs, if uh, your listening audience has a handle on this, I'm sure most do, and they tried to fortify them with some turrets. And, of course, the, the B didn't have any kind of power steering provision. There was a wide front end and a narrow front end, and they failed horribly. They were so big and heavy that they couldn't turn by the time they took a 4,000-pound tractor and turned it into 8,000 pounds. And once they got off the road into sand and dirt, they would go straight and they couldn't turn, so it was a flop and John Deere didn't get anywhere and didn't sell any tanks. But one of the originals was found refurbished by a, a local gentleman. and He came over here and said, I need the weapons to work because on each side had a 1919, I think it was an A4 Browning machine gun, and he said, I'd like for both of these to work. And I said, well, We do that. We're a manufacturer, and we're capable of building full-auto firearms, but I'm not sure you could own it. So we had to convert weapons to semi-automatic, which were legal, and set them up so that everything worked the way that it was supposed to, you know, full-auto capability. And uh, it was a really interesting and fun project. We were really, really tickled to be part of it, and it was one of the more, I guess you'd call it, cool things we got to do that year. So not a lot of local gun shops work on tanks, but we were able to do that, and it was a period piece of history as well by owned by local gentleman. So it was a lot of fun. That kind of stuff really separates your day from uh, uh, pushing sites in and out of a Glock, if you know what I'm saying.
0: Absolutely. ControlledChaosArms.com is the website I'm looking at right now, and you've got some images of some of the work that you've done, which is fascinating. ControlledChaosArms.com, the website located in Baxter. Do you have many issues with regard to supply chain? As you said, you're not a dealer where I'm going to see guns under glass, but are you having some issues either because of supply chain or, frankly, because of the political scene these days of whether you're able to get what you want to get to serve your
3: customers? Oh, yeah, it's bad for everyone everywhere. Actually, I was pretty big on distributing. I mean, you're familiar with Brownells, and there's a lot of local manufacturers whether they're of, of weapons themselves or parts or pieces but a lot of what we bring in comes in obviously in cardboard boxes but from way away very little bit of it's internationally most of it's in the lower 48 here in the united states but it's pretty bad jeff you can call up someplace and make an order and then four weeks go by and they're like well, you had it in stock why haven't you shipped yet well covid restrictions have got our warehouse locked down we don't have so many people here in new york per square foot of warehouse or literally, you know, a one-quarter staff, And some of those things are still lingering out there today, and it just has slowed everything way down. For example, when we build a precision rifle from the ground up, we'll take a barrel blank and put it on the lathe and begin the work. Well, you've got to have the barrel blank first. I mean, I don't have a – well, I do have a forge, <laughs> but I'm not going to forge my own barrels. I'm going to buy a barrel blank from somebody and then put it on the lathe and begin to work. Mm-hmm. But they have to get it first because of steel and stainless and all these other things, and they're behind. So it's very hard to supply customers with what they need just on that realm. And that has nothing to say with the fact that the support pieces, parts, through other means, or, or if you walk up to me, Jeff, and you say or call and say, hey, my wife and I want a pair of Glock 19s. Can you order them? Sure, I can. It's not what we do every day, but I'll bring them in for you. I have a wholesaler just like anyone else. Well, they got to be at the wholesaler for me to get them to get them to you, and they're not. It's been darn tough for a long time to truly supply a customer with what they need. and that makes it tough for everyone. It drives prices up and it lowers consumer confidence. It makes paranoia if you want to know the truth.
0: Michael Ware of Controlled Chaos Arms in Baxter, online at controlledchaosarms.com. We connected on Monday, March 14. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. We're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, leading successful business, innovation, growth, and transitions. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook. And get more at AdvanceIowa.com. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at TotallyIowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the Radio Programs button at TotallyIowa.com.